Welcome in. This is episode nine of the Card Chronicle podcast. Mike Rutherford here with Danny Sennard once again. It's been a, I mean, bizarre. I, I don't even know if that's the right word. Couple of days in not just the sports world, but the entire world. Everybody reacting to the news of Kobe Bryant's just shocking death a couple of days ago. And I mean, Kobe, they're showing the last game on TV right now behind me. It's been, uh, and this is coming from somebody who admittedly, like, not a Kobe guy. Like, I've rooted, actively rooted against Kobe pretty much his entire career. Didn't mind him uh, towards the later stages of his career. But even for me, just, it's been a, a shocking deal. And I think, um, you know, as somebody who is a recent father with a daughter, that has added a different element. But it's just been kind of hard to to not just pay attention to the tributes and the, and the videos and all that stuff and to focus on uh, anything else going on in the world. That's just kind of been me. Um, Dan Sennard, your, I guess, just general thoughts on the last 48 hours or so here. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, every take um, has been taken so far just because uh, there's been just an outpouring of support and emotion ever since this happened. But, I mean, I'm still in shock. Like you said, there's his last game is going on right now and it seems like it's almost in the present tense. Like he's, he's actually still here and just seeing kind of the lasting effect that he's had on not just the sports world, but you know, people around the nation, it's, it's actually been unbelievable to watch. And I was kind of thinking about it today. It's, we haven't really had like a, a true like sports figure like since and I'm 34 years old, um, you know, of his stature pass away, you know, so kind of close to where his prime was. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just something maybe, uh, you know, and I'm not comparing deaths by any means, but maybe something a little bit more relatable um, with an athlete passing you know compared to maybe like a musician or a politician because with an athlete you know we've seen Kobe grow up from high school to the NBA and we've seen him at his you know at his highs and we we've seen his lows we've seen him go through injuries we've seen him you know make mistakes off the court and on the court and maybe just a more relatable figure than someone you know who you know, has a concert and then gives, you know, calculated interviews or, or a politician that we don't see, you know, on a, on a daily basis. So, you know, it's, it's been surreal. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously thoughts and prayers are, are with his family and everyone, um, you know, everyone else that was uh, affected, you know, by what went down. Yeah. Whenever there's somebody that's, you know, larger than life who has that description apply to them and have it apply aptly. It's always going to be shocking when they pass away before, you know, if it's before age 60, especially. So like when Prince died, that was a shock. Um, thinking, I mean, Payne Stewart, I remember being pretty young. That one came out of nowhere. I mean, he was still playing at the time and it was such a bizarre story the way it all um, unfolded on live TV. Um, Michael Jackson uh, a decade ago, that was, was shocking. This is the first one though where like 48 hours later it still just feels like it like it can't be real to me. Like 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 I'm yeah. he was such a, a huge figure and just had this presence about him that made it seem like he was going to be around for at least the next 40 to 45 years and it just seems unfathomable that he could be gone in the snap of a finger especially I mean you were in town this weekend you and I were out with with friends and we're watching LeBron on TV passing Kobe and we're seeing him talk and, and we're seeing him um, you know, on television, like highlights of them bro hugging from a couple of weeks earlier, and all of a sudden, snap of a finger. Less than 12 hours later, he's just gone. 
um, it, it just still feels so unfair. I mean, just that it's all, and I know this is bigger picture stuff, not just related to Kobe, but that it, it can be just a light switch where you're here, you're alive, you're larger than life, you're this gigantic figure, and then bam, it, it's just, it's all gone. So it's been a, it's been a weird thing to process, I think, for everybody. And, and I think you're right, too. I think especially for people our age, who, I mean, I can't really remember a time where Kobe Bryant wasn't something, where he wasn't, you know, the high school phenom that you'd heard about growing up or the the draft pick or the rookie who was shooting a bunch or, you know, the next Jordan and all this stuff. He's always been a fixture in the sports world. And now to just have him be gone when it seemed like he was right there on the precipice of something new, um, getting involved in, in, you know, his daughter's lives and women's basketball and doing a whole bunch of different stuff. It just seems, uh, again, it's still just real, real hard to process. But like you said, I, I think every take now has been dished out, so we won't spend any more time on that. But uh, you're right. It's been a weird 48 hours to adjust to. The thing that happened before then that, that we're going to spend more time focusing on here on this podcast, Louisville, I, I think, gives the performance on Saturday that Cardinal fans have been waiting to see for for weeks, at least. I mean, it's been a long time since we've had a start-to-finish dominant performance against a, you know, non low major mid major opponent. This is a conference team and I know Clemson's not great, but it's a Clemson team that still entered Saturday's game having won four of their last five. They were playing I think the best basketball in that middle portion of the conference of anybody in the ACC besides Syracuse, who now all of a sudden looks like the fourth best team in the league. So to to, to have them come into your your place riding a decent amount of momentum um, having that win over Duke still fresh in their mind, the the first win against North Carolina in Chapel Hill in program history still fresh in their mind, and to just beat them down from start to finish, I don't think that's nothing. I, I think that is something to be celebrated. I think it is yet another step in the right direction for this team. We always do this uh, after games. We give, you know, this is uh, what podcasts are for, gigantic overreactions. We give our, our big overreaction to every game. Louisville 80, Clemson 62. Dan, what's your big overreaction from this performance? My overreaction is this is the team we are capable of being. This was the team that I actually thought was going to show up against Georgia Tech. Now, granted, we saw Georgia Tech come back and um, have a nice win this weekend. And so they might be a little better than we thought. Um, but it's, it was so nice just to have a game to where, you know, we got a lead early and it, it, we we didn't let Clemson really back in at all. And it was just nice to, you know, kind of breathe easy throughout the whole game. And we got, you know, we got to rest Malik. He only played 14 minutes, you know, Jordan, kind of like we talked about last podcast. He, he really didn't have to do a whole lot. He had 10 points and they were like a nice, easy 10 points. No, no really four shots. Um, David is improving with, with every single game. Um, and it's, been nice to have kind of a development at the point guard situation with David Fresh and, and see Darius kind of move over to the two guard and, and have a lot of success there. Um, you know, I think and you can chime in on this if you want. Darius seems like a guy like there, there's some guys like he is a player that I think is going to be better suited to play at home. Like he just seems like he gets like a little extra buzz. Um, when he's playing in the Yum Center, um, that's just my opinion. I mean, he, he, you know, he might have good road games. I hope he does, you know, throughout the rest of the season. But he seems like a guy that at home I feel a lot more comfortable with than on the road. Um, but I mean, overall, nothing to complain about this game. Just a, a, a dominant performance from start to finish. I, I, I still think Clemson's an actually pretty decent team, and on both sides of the ball, I thought we were tremendous. Yeah, I like the fact that you know. 
we come out, we set the world on fire the first 20 minutes. You know, we're up, I think, 18 at halftime or 16 at halftime, whatever it was. And every single Louisville fan is in the exact same boat where we're like, okay, cool. Let's do this for 40 minutes, please, God. Like, if we let this thing get down to four points or less heading into the last segment, like, the first half is meaningless. And the fact that they didn't, you're right, it never felt like, it never felt like Clemson had a run in them. You never felt like, here we go again. There were a couple of, of sloppy moments, and I know Chris Mack said he wasn't overly thrilled with the way they played in the second half. But I think the biggest thing for me, especially big after what we saw against Georgia Tech earlier in the week, the effort level never dwindled. And he said that was the big thing. He said, we played with tremendous energy throughout the entire game. We had a couple of times where we had lulls on offense, but we never stopped playing really hard. And I think that was across the board, too. It wasn't like the Georgia Tech game where you saw some guys get their heads down. You mentioned Jordan Wara. He looked like a guy who just had gotten a talking to. Like, like he, he didn't force anything. He didn't even take a shot, I think, for the first seven minutes of the game, which is very, very unlike him. But he played hard on defense. He hit the glass like we've seen him do before. He let the game come to him, and he seemed like he was genuinely enthused by the way his teammates were playing, which is something that hasn't always been the case with him. So I thought that was awesome. Um, my big overreaction from this game, and it's really not from this game specifically, but I think if you could take first segment Darius Perry and final segment Fresh Kimball and combine them, <laughs> I, I think it's the best point guard in the country. And I've, I've had this weird thing where I feel like Darius, even when he has terrible scoring games, even when he scores three points, five points, six points, I feel like he always hits one of our first jumpers. You're exactly right. I noticed that, too. I'm glad you picked up on that. Yeah. So I I went back and I actually looked at it. He has made Louisville's first jump shot in three of the last four games, and he's made at least one jump shot in the first segment of a game in seven of Louisville's last 11 games. So for as poorly as he's played sometimes on offense in the last, uh, I guess, month and a half or two months, He's been really good in those first segments for whatever reason. And then we've talked a bunch about Fresh Kimball's play down the stretch. He seems to, you know, when the the lights are the brightest and and the pressure is the highest, he seems to, you know, find another gear and just do things that he doesn't do in the middle of game. So if you could somehow combine those two guys, I think they would be one of the best guards in the country. But, yeah, I mean, props to Darius. It wasn't just the first segment in this game. He scores 19 points. It's a career high. Uh, he was lights out from outside the arc. And I like that Mac after the game talked about, look, he played a great offensive game, but it wasn't just the offense. He, he was terrific on defense. He didn't force things, uh, didn't make silly decisions with the ball in his hands, got his teammates involved too. And obviously he shot the ball really well. And I think Darius, he kind of has this reputation for being a streaky shooter. He's 41.7% from three this year. Like that's pretty damn good. That's right there. Um, just a, a shade behind a one percentage point behind Ryan McMahon and very only two percentage points behind Jordan Wara. He's a, I mean, if you're talking about great three-point shooters on this team, which is one of Louisville's biggest skill sets, he's a big part of that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it just seems like the last three games, Mac is, uh, I'm called him Mac, all right. Um, <laughs> Chris, uh, Chris, Chris, my boy Chris. It seems like he's finally getting a handle on kind of the rotations. Um, you know, I think at the beginning of the year, he had to tinker a lot. Um, but you know, we're seeing consistent playing time from Sam. Um, you know, he, he's not afraid to play, you know, our kind of four interchangeable guards together. Um, and he, it it just seems like he has a better feel for who he wants and needs on the floor right now. And that's, that's really comfortable to see, you know, kind of as a fan, um, you know, one thing I liked is 
uh, I, I just love, I know we went on that 20 0 run. Um, and that's just so good to see. Cause I mean, that could, you know, those kind of things can easily be like a seven, eight Oh run and, you know, just kind of let up. But I mean, 20 0 you're really kind of, you know, keeping your foot on the gas pedal there. And it was just good to see them say like, Hey, we're going to put this game away early. That's what we've been waiting for from this team all year. Um, and I just really like where we're at right now. I think, you know, everyone's confidence is, is high and we're, we're, we're definitely trending in the right direction. And, um, you know, with the schedule we have coming up, there's, I mean, anyone can win an ACC game. I mean, you can, you can win or lose any game, but I just think we're, we've really put ourselves in a nice position here to, to make a run and until kind of some of our our later tougher games in the conference schedule season. First of all, I'm not going to let you get away with that bullshit cliche. Like everybody cannot win a game this year in the ACC. That's the one, this is the one year where you can't not get away with saying that Duke Louisville and Florida state are the three best teams and it's not close. We're probably going to slip up, but let's not act like playing, you know, team 10 in this conference is the same as playing team 10 in this conference a couple of years ago. It's a bad league. It's it just, it, it is. So shame on you for saying that. I uh, know. I mean, I, I, Listen, do I think <laughs> do I think we're going to like beat Boston College? Of course I do. Would I be like absolutely like fallen on the floor shocked if we lost to them? Probably not. I mean, these are 18 year old kids. You can never predict what kind of mindset they're gonna have when they come out. But I mean, like I said, right now I, I would definitely bet on the cards if I was, you know trying to put money on um you know them going against lesser opponents but uh yeah i mean uh, i know it's cliche but i mean it can happen and if it does i'm definitely going to call you out on the podcast now well we're, we're going to lose <laughs> games but I, I don't think you can say like well every game's a toss-up this year in the acc because uh, it just it's not like we should win a lot of these games we're definitely going to fall and we'll get to that a little bit later but i want to go back to i want to go back to what you were talking about a little bit earlier i love the fact that right now it seems like everybody's kind of contributing a decent amount because yeah. and not just for obvious reasons because you I mean obviously you want every player in your team doing something positive but I like that we don't have the concern of there being an attitude out there that kind of that, that spreads because if, if anybody who's ever played on a team or been on a team at work or you know been a part of a group all it takes is that one person who gets upset about stuff and develops a shitty attitude and starts talking shit to you know their friends in the group and it spreads and it becomes a plague and it can really affect an entire team. So I love that we've got, you know, the, the two freshmen are going. Samuel Williamson has, I think, really turned the corner. It's been more quiet than David Johnson's star turn, but it's definitely been happening. And Saturday was another example. Darius Perry getting back in the flow is big. I think Jordan has, he, he seems to have, he definitely had a better attitude on Saturday. I think that any concern about him bringing people down is, is, is out the window. Malik Williams and Stephen Enoch seem to be, I think, good with their situation, splitting time at the center position. And then the other captains, like Ryan McMahon, he's playing fewer minutes, but he seems to be even more engaged on the sidelines. Dwayne Sutton continues to lead by example. Fresh Kimball seems to, you know, really be embracing his role on the team. And then even getting, like, the freshmen into that game at the end on Saturday, I, th I think that helps. I mean, everybody, you feel a little bit better if you play 45 seconds in any game. And, and seeing Aiden Gahan score some points uh, by getting to the free throw line, I think everybody seems to have a real positive vibe right now. And that's, I mean, that, that's huge at this point in the season when you're looking for a stretch run and you're looking to avoid what you did last year, which was have a really 
fantastic January and then a really terrible February. And I don't think that's going to happen this year. And I'll say, you talked about Chris Mack after the game. Let's go ahead and say it. I feel like our guy, Chris, I, I think he, he, for the first time, really feels like he's got something here. I, yeah. I think he knew the whole season that this was possible. But when he was, when he was expressing like, his dissatisfaction with the, the senior leadership and with you know, guys not being focused and not paying attention to game plans, like, that wasn't bullshit. He, he seemed genuinely perplexed and frustrated by this team way too often during December and the first part of January. And I think now, finally, the way that he looked after that Clemson game, the way that he talked in that post-game press conference, I think he's, he's not going to say it, but I think he really, really is starting to see that this could end, uh, you know, this could end in a very special way at two months from now. Yeah, and we need to just call a spade a spade. The main reason for this feeling is the emergence of David Johnson. You know, sure. what what he has done since, you know, kind of this, the Duke game is just, and, and we've talked about it, and, you know, one of our friends said, we, we, we basically are picking up an all-ACC guard. And what he does for everybody else on the floor, um, he sees passing lanes that other people can't see. Um, he runs the break, you know, about as good a guard as we've had in a while, I feel like, you know, since like the Russ Payton days almost. Um, you know, he finishes through contact. He's just an absolute game changer and has just taken our team to the next level. And he was a huge part of that 20-0 run, obviously. Um, you know, throwing alley-oops, following up dunks, making passes off the high pick and roll, finding people in the corner. I mean, he's literally doing it all right. I'm going up for rebounds. And, you know, I, I just think going forward, you know, it's, it's a broken record, but I just think he is going to be the, the key guy for us um, as far as, you know, how far this team is going to go. I think Dave just, uh, you know, he's a guy capable of putting our team on our back if we need it to at this point. Yeah, it's, there's no question. I mean, you feel differently about Louisville's long-term prospects now than you did two weeks ago. And it's not entirely David Johnson, but God, it is a significant, significant chunk of why you feel that good. The other thing that I like, though, is, you know, with Darius Perry, I think, playing well now and obviously having that big game against Clemson and Fresh Kimball establishing himself as this just solid guard that's not going to hurt you and who's going to make plays down the stretch. I think that's important because at some point between now and March, and maybe it happens in the ACC tournament, maybe it happens in the NCAA tournament, or maybe it happens in some big game between now and then, like David Johnson's going to play like a freshman. We've seen him make some mistakes, uh, even when he's played really well. I mean, down the stretch against Duke, he made two really incomprehensible decisions that almost, you know, that, that played a part in them coming back and having a chance to win. That stuff's going to happen with him. For all the good that he does, and the good certainly dramatically outweighs the bad, there's going to be one game where he just can't put it together for whatever reason because every freshman has a game like that, especially ones who missed the first month of the season. And having Darius Perry and Fresh Kimball playing the way they are right now and looking like they can be something of a stabilizing force, that's no small thing either. So again, I think having everybody kind of feeling like they're in a positive place right now as we make the turn for February is enormous. The other thing that I, I really liked about the, the game against Clemson was the job that we did against Amir Sims because he came in, I mean, his stat line over the past three weeks has been just otherworldly. He was the best player on the floor against Duke. He was the best player on the floor against North Carolina. He's their leading scorer. He's their leading rebounder. And he's their, their I think, second best assist man and probably their best overall passer. 
And Mac, he gave some shine to Jalen Withers after the game, saying that he they'd used Withers to play Amir Sims in practice. He'd done a really good job getting everybody prepared. And he said, if you go back and watch the UNC film, Amir Sims made passes on back cuts, I think seven or eight times successfully. And he didn't, we didn't allow that to happen a single time in the game on Saturday. And to me, it shows that we're finally getting these guys to fully just dive headfirst in this game plan and not just gloss over it, but really embrace it. And it reminded me of after the Kentucky game, when the biggest point in overtime, Nick Richards has that cross screen uh, uh, basket. And Max says, we had prepared for that all week long and we defended it successfully in that same game and guys just fell asleep. So to go from there to where we were on Saturday in a month where guys just aren't allowing anybody to go to one of seven from the field, I think that shows a, a, a dramatic increase in just the, the mental side of the game and being more mature and being more focused and all these things that we knew this team had to develop if they were going, like they can have all the talent in the world and all the experience in the world, but if they didn't lock in and really just up their intensity level and up their focus level, they were never going to accomplish something special. But it's a, it seems like a little thing, but to me, I think it's just an, another sign of this team's evolution at this point in the season. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head is I think the team is finally buying in. Not that they, you know, obviously the beginning there they wanted to do well, but they're really buying into the team concept that, you know, there's not nearly as much hero ball on the offensive or defensive side of the ball lately. I know we had the bad first half defensively against Georgia Tech, um, but I mean, I, I thought we've played solid defense. I feel like for most of the year, um, and like like you said on offense, it's nice that everyone's starting to accept the role. And I'm glad you pointed out Ryan because um, you know I'm a Ryan guy. I love Ryan. Oh, yeah. I love him since he's coming the program. And he's really, you know, since it, not only from last year, but even the beginning of the year, had to reduce his role a decent amount. And really, uh, you know, if he gets open shots, he's going to take them. But uh, he hasn't had to do as much for us. And when you catch him on the bench or after a big shot, he is so, you know, more he's so engaged in the game that it, it, it it's one of those guys that you, you're like, all right, I feel good. Like. This guy's our captain. He's getting everyone kind of involved and engaged in this game just with, like, how into the game he is, even if he's only taken, like, you know, four shots. Um, and he's playing well. He's he's stepped up defensively this year. I feel like I need to give him credit. I know his height puts him at a disadvantage. Sometimes when we play teams with taller guards, you know, even if he does play good defense, they can shoot over him. But uh, he's really stepped it up from the you know from when he got here um to where he is now on the defensive end and i i just think everyone is starting to buy into their role and do their job and you know that's what's going to take it you know if we do want to make a run is you know for everyone to get on the exact same page and you know for there to be you know not any one-on-one or hero ball um and just everything's got to be a team concept going forward. yeah i i love I love watching guys like Ryan this time of the year, guys who know that they're, you know, who, who love basketball, who obviously are skilled enough to get to this level, but who know that they're probably not going to make a living doing this at the highest level. Like, like a guy like Ryan can go and play overseas and make a decent living if he wants to follow that route, but he's he's not going to be an NBA guy. And when you see those guys get to this point in their senior seasons and have that realization that this is, you know, it's two months for the rest of my life, to use the uh, the Tim Tebow or Varsity Blues cliche, 
like, <laughs> they just kind of take it to another level. They just they have this sense about them, like I will die for this shit. Like I I I need this deep run. This is my last chance to make this memory. And you just kind of see that page turn. And we've seen it happen, I think, a lot of times with guys who were cut from that same cloth. And so to see it with Ryan, I think to see it with Dwayne, too, like he's kind of that same way, too. Maybe a little bit with Stephen Enoch. I know that he has pro aspirations as well. But I think for most of these guys, really for everybody besides Jordan Wara, who's playing their last college season, I think they have a sense that this may be like this is kind of as good as it gets. Like they're never going to be as paid attention to as they are right now, especially in this community, which cares about college basketball so much and cares about this Louisville team so much. They're never going to, you know, I think maybe have as much hype, be as prominent on national TV and have a chance to do something as special as they have uh, over these next two months. And I I think that you're seeing that kind of click with a lot of these guys. And it's always a cool thing to see. Um, You brought up, I mean, you did mention, and I gave you shit for it, but like Louisville probably is going to lose a game at some point between now and when they play Florida State. Um, and it's going to be a game. People are going to flip out. We always flip out about it. But is there anybody on this schedule between now and then that you look at for whatever reason and say, I just don't feel good about that game? Like if I told you that we are 100% are going to lose at least one game between now and February 24th when we go to Tallahassee, who would you say that game is? Oh, man. There's three games that I look at. And I'm like, okay. Um, to be honest, and, and you might not agree with this, I think at NC State this weekend, only because yep. I know NC State lost tonight to North Carolina. I'm aware. But they seem like a team that's going to be desperate for a win. It's going to be at NC State. Sometimes when teams get desperate, weird things happen. So I have that one circle. I'm not saying that's my choice. Um, and then the other two are Virginia and Syracuse. And I know uh Virginia the issues we've had with them in the past and I know they're different this year I watched the Wake Forest game you know they were very lucky to win that game I still don't know how they won it's like my guy Danny Manning he's uh he's he's not long for being in Winston-Salem can I stop you right Um, there can I just make a point because people don't know you who are listening to this podcast you have a long-running history of (laughs) vouching for head coaches that are arguably like bottom five coaches in the sport. Like you are I'm big, sorry. I love Danny Manning. You are a big Steve Alford guy. You are a big <laughs> Danny Manning guy. The coaches that you choose to back and choose to support, I'll never understand why, but they are the worst fucking coaches in the entire sport. So the fact that you've been hanging on to Danny Manning for the last five Here's years. Here's the I, I said Chris Beard and I feel like that just got swept under the radar. I love I don't Chris remember Beard, that at all. I do not well, that, I have yeah, no recollection of, of that. Okay, well there we go. Um <laughs> Mike I, I and then like of course like I was like, Oh, Mike White and at Florida and he's been terrible this year. I'm like, God, somebody help me out here. Yeah, um, you're, you're you're just completely drowning on this. But no, my my final answer is Syracuse only just because when we played them last year and sometimes it takes coaches a little bit to get acclimated to that two, three zone. And, you know, we went there last year and just it was our worst. I I, I would say one of our worst games of the year, if not our worst. Um, We just did not look prepared for the two, three zone at all. And you hope that we've made adjustments like, you know, in the offseason in the year we've had to prepare for them. But not only that, they're playing a lot better um they seem to have it going a little bit so i'd say if there was a game we were gonna lose that would be my choice i'm actually going with the first one that you mentioned and it does seem crazy but nc state on saturday 
really concerns me. For whatever reason, we just don't play well against them, period. And we especially don't play well against them there. Um, we lost the last time we played there. It was back in 2018, that late. It was when we, it was the game after, I think, the, the Virginia home game, where it was like, we need to win this game to save our season and have a shot to make the NCAA tournament. And we were just totally deflated. We barely won there the time before then. Um, and then we lost there, I guess, in the, the, the time before that when we played on the road in Raleigh. So it's Markel Johnson. Like, I think I'm the biggest Markel Johnson fan in the entire world. I, I love his game. I think he's fantastic. Sometimes he does check out a little bit. I think he gets frustrated with his teammates. But against a team like Louisville, he's going to take it personally. And they do have this sort of weird, I think, mental thing with North Carolina where they just cannot. Like with Duke and UNC, it's it's a little bit of a big brother, little brother thing. I know that that's – I think it's overblown a lot of times. But in this situation, I think it's pretty – there's definitely some real vibes there. So they're going to be trying to, to bounce back from that. And like you said, all of a sudden they go from the team that looks like they're clearly the fourth best in the conference – and that they're going to, you know, have a relatively easy time getting an at-large bid at the tournament. And now they're probably on the wrong side of the bubble going into this weekend. They're going to be desperate for a win. And I also think Funderburk's a good player inside, as kind of just crazy as he is in general. I think he's a decent player who could give us some fits. So I just have a, a weird feeling about that game. Plus, we got like the late night tip Wednesday night at Boston College, nine o'clock. I, I don't know what's I going on there. That, yeah. that, 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 as soon as I saw nine o'clock, I was like. Why does that make me nervous? Yeah. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of that. I don't know. I mean, you're right about, like, Syracuse is clearly playing the best in the in the conference outside of the top three. Um, I just have a weird feeling about the NC State game on Saturday. Maybe we'll play so well on Wednesday that I'll forget about it and we'll win the game going away. But the good thing, if you're looking for some reason to feel positive about Saturday, every time I have a, a weird feeling like this game's going to be closer than it is, Louisville tends to play as well as it plays all season. And every time I feel like we're just going to beat the brakes off somebody, it winds up being a, a really close game. But um, that, that's kind of where I am with this team. Do you have any – go ahead. Let me ask you this. I was going to ask you. what. Give me your give me your final total and what teams for making the tournament from the ACC. As of right now? Uh, what you think is going to happen in the end? I think that – I think five teams are going to make it from the ACC. Um, and I don't think it's going to be Virginia. Like, I, I think that they, like, they just, I don't think people really fully grasp how bad their offense is. Like right now they would have the worst overall offense and the worst three point offense in the history of the ACC. Like that's the, the fact that they're even talked about as a potential at large team just goes to show how ungodly good they are on offense, but are on defense, I should say. But they're so bad on offense that it almost doesn't matter. They cannot score on anybody. They should have lost to uh, to Wake Forest over the weekend. That's just a bad team. I think that, like at this point, I think Syracuse is going to make the tournament. And then I think I still the computer numbers seem to like Virginia Tech more than they like the other teams that are in the middle of the conference right now. And they have that neutral court win over over uh, Michigan State that's going to keep looking better and better. So that's just kind of my guess right now. I, I'm going to say that five teams make it. It's the big three and then it's Syracuse, and then it's Virginia Tech. A week ago, I said it was NC State and Virginia Tech, and now I'm, I'm backing off NC State. I think that they have a lot of work to do, and there's some weird stuff going on. There's, I think, some chemistry issues with that team, but that's where I am. What do, what do you say? I'm, I'm with you at five. I'm going to swap Virginia and Virginia Tech. Um, I don't know. I just I have too much faith in Tony Bennett. And again, I've, I've watched Virginia. I know how bad they are offensively. Um, but they just seem like a team that 
even when they don't have their best game offensively, they can still pull out and win games. And um, I don't know. I, I just Virginia Tech, you know, they got the new coach. It's been like definitely a surprise. They, I know they were picked to finish, you know, towards the bottom of the conference. I just don't know from a talent standpoint, um, you know, going down the stretch when games maybe mean a little bit more and they might not have the guys that have been in that situation before. Um, I just kind of trust Virginia's players. I know they lost a lot, but they still got a couple of their, their key pieces with them from last year. Um, I just have a little more faith in them, but again, gosh, even them, that's, that's a very fringe pick for me. It's, 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 it's so weird for us trying to like come up with, you know, five teams from the ACC. It's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And I'm not going to fight you on that. Like, I think that if you told me today, Virginia makes the NCAA tournament and winds up making it fairly easily, like would not be shocked at all. If Tony Bennett finds a way to scrape just enough offense up to you know go 11 and, and 9 in this conference or 12 and 8 in this conference and have enough quality wins to make it happen um speaking of virginia tech real quickly before we get to mike in the dumps and read some reviews we got boston college we're recording this late monday night we got boston college coming up late wednesday night they actually snapped a four game losing streak by beating the virginia tech team that we were just talking about jim christian 100% going to get fired after the season. There's no way around it. Like this is going, this is going to be the last time that we see him unless we somehow play them in the uh, the ACC tournament. Is there any fear level for you going into this game? Nine o'clock up there, BC. We lost there a year ago. Do you is any concern whatsoever? Yeah, I mean, the only reason I'm scared is because I'm thinking about the game last year, where like the entire game I was like, oh well, this is Boston College. We're gonna come back anytime, and and we never did, but. I just think our team is playing too well right now. That would just be a, a very disappointing loss. I I, I would say confidence-wise, I'm at a – I'll put it at a 10 and 8.9. Um, and, yeah, I think we'll go up there and get the W. Yeah, the game last year, you got to remember, like, we had lost four or five. We, we were in the midst of that stretch where we'd had the Florida State collapse. We'd had the Duke collapse. We played that terrible game against Syracuse that you talked about earlier. We'd been beaten by Virginia down again. Like that team had no confidence going into that game last year. And this year's team now all of a sudden has all the confidence in the world. They've won six straight and they've been really good away from home, which is something that you couldn't say about that team last year in February. So I'm with you. Like obviously it's a game that could get close. Boston College has a couple of decent guards, um, but I, I, I can't see Louisville going up there and losing. I'll be I'll be really, really surprised if that winds up being the slip-up. So I'm with you. My confidence level pretty high going into Wednesday night. All right, we usually end these podcasts by doing a Dan in the Dump segment. Um, Dan has bad stuff happen to him pretty frequently. We're not going to do it. I'm going to save Dan. We're going to do a Mike in the Dumps this week. And let me preface We'll call, we'll by, call it Mike in the Mud. Mike, I like that. That's better. Mike in the, Mike in the Mud. We're, we're trudging through the muck here with Mike. Um let me preface this by saying I still I made the comparison a few weeks ago when we were doing the whole, hey, I just got fired podcast about how I felt kind of like a politician that had just lost a very public race every time I went outside and people started to this still has been happening like the last two weeks. Every time I go out and like walk the dog or you know, I went to my nephew's basketball game tonight, like at least a couple of people will come over and be like, hey, man, like, you know, tough luck. Like we're thinking about you. I think this is going to be a good thing for you. And it's the nicest thing in the world, and I appreciate it every single time, but it also is a constant reminder of something that <laughs> not was not so cool that happened to me pretty recently, so it's kind of hard to get over. Um, yeah, like tonight, we had a couple of guys come up, 
One of them said he was a big fan of the podcast. Shout out to you, Jacob. I told you I'd give you a shout out. I just did. Also, shout out to my nephew, Ben Rutherford. He and the St. Francis Wyverns took down the uh, the West End School tonight for the, I think it was the Round Ball Classic Championship. It was a that fantastic way, game. That 36-34. It came down to a last-second shot. Uh, West End School just barely missed a game-winning three. It was a, a fantastic game. But I do, so I've been going out and doing this stuff, and it just, you know, again, it's people just kind of feeling sorry for you, and then me kind of feeling sorry for myself. So two days ago, I'm walking the dog, and I'm almost home, and this huge dog that has attacked Penny before is running free. And here we go again. Like, I, I'm terrified. I'm trying to, to pick <laughs> Penny up. The dog, like, goes right after Penny, and it's, it's like, it's ferocious. It's on top of her. It's Penny screaming. I have to, like, dive and tackle this dog and, like, get it in a headlock and shove it off while Penny's, like, going crazy. Um, the owner, who I now is my mortal enemy, I hope he somehow knows about this podcast, because the first time the fucking dog was just outside when they were outside hanging out, and it was pretty clear by the way that it ran over to my dog, the way that they reacted, that this was something that they were not cool with and they knew something bad was going to happen. This time, at least, the owner's, like, running after him and I think has his leash in his hand. But so anyway, so as I dove to the ground to tackle this dog, I completely fucked up my knee. Like my knee is, it's like the size of an orange right now. It's all purple and blue. It got bloodied all up. So I say all that to say this. Now, not only when I go out in public, do I have like the, the you know, the person every now and then who, who recognizes me feeling sorry for me. I've got this terrible limp that like makes it look like I'm even more pathetic and like asking for, I look like Ted Kennedy wearing the neck brace after fucking Chappaquiddick where I'm just like, I'm just desperate for your sympathy out there. And it makes me feel like 10 times more of a loser. I've got this weird, just awful limp. And they're like, there's that radio guy who got fired. Can't even fucking walk anymore. Like somebody go get that guy a wheelchair. Like get it, get him out of here. Give him some help. And I, I just feel I'm in the mud, Dan. I'm in the mud. Let me ask you this. Does the dog, and the dog owner live near you? Yes, like 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 very close. God, this is great. So we have like dog neighbor rivalry 2020 on our hands in St. Matthews. Man, I'm like I know there's another episode of this coming. I can just feel it. And if it happens I'm, again, I'm if it happens again, I'm not going to do anything. My wife is going to just <laughs> raise all sorts of hell. Like I, I'm going to stick the big dog on him, and it's going to be Mary Rutherford because it's not going to be me. She's going to be the one who goes crazy. The dog encounters can get so awkward, like, because you're like, you just run over there and you're like, no, no, no. Like, and like the dogs are just like, look like they're like, you know, and just going like completely bonkers, like after each other. And it just get like, you got to like talk with the owner like, oh, no, I promise she's nice. As like the dogs are like showing their teeth and like nipping at each other. It can just get real awkward. So, yeah, I kind of feel it for you in this situation. She's a real sweetheart behind closed doors, like as she's like humping your leg and growling at you. Like, yeah, that's uh, always a good thing. Um, we love Penny. We love Penny's the best. Uh, Penny rules. I. Th- that's the other thing too is like I, I'm so protective of her, and I just want to fucking kill this dog. But anyway, I didn't. I held off. But uh, the dog, the dog won. My knee is completely busted, and I look like a pathetic loser every time I go out and do anything. Um, every time we do this, we like to read reviews at the end. If you haven't checked out the podcast, wherever you can find podcasts, the Apple app, iTunes, whatever, um, please subscribe. Please give us a uh, five-star rating or a four-star rating if you feel like that's fair. That's fine, too. Three stars, two stars. We kind of will hate you for that, but eh, whatever. You do what you got to do. And if you can write us a review, it helps even more. All that stuff really, really helps. And to encourage you to do that, we like to read some of the reviews that we get. Uh, SJ, SGWKY says, this is the perfect way to relive a game and hear from two guys that not only know the sport, but have a passion for the cards. 
its Card Chronicle blogs come to life and made even better with the obvious connection between Mike and Dan. I don't know about that. Yeah, I mean, we don't even like each other, so that's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, Because you said that, I'm going to read this one then. Um, (laughs) KY Derby Racer says, not really any better option in town. I love hearing Mike get to talk Louisville uncensored and raw. As always, he doesn't disappoint. Dan's okay, too, I guess. (laughs) Maybe get the airport coughing under control. I'll tell you right now, I'm I'm more appreciative of the Dan's okay too. I guess like just put that on my tombstone. Yeah, Dan's okay. I'll take All that. Right, here's, uh, the, here's the last one. Uh, Jonathan Grabhorn says five stars. I have no idea what Dumpster Dan looks like, but based solely on his voice alone, I have to imagine that dude has a mustache. God, you know what? Like just because of that, I kind of want to turn into like a Ron Burgundy figure. Like just when I like you know, get wired for these podcasts, like put on a burgundy coat and be like, Oh, but probably not going to happen. Yeah. You're not going to do that. This could be your, yeah, we should mention we've gone the, almost the entire podcast without mentioning what I think most of the comments, most of the, uh, the reviews mentioned, which is the fact that the Louisville men's basketball team has not lost a game. Hell, the Louisville women's basketball team has not lost a game either since we started doing this podcast. So I think that remember how like, in the later Patino years, they would do like the no shave until we lose gimmicky thing. Maybe that should be you with the mustache. Grow the mustache until we actually lose a game with us doing the podcast. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll talk that over with my wife. I'll let you know tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, big thanks to everybody for listening. We'll have a podcast up. Uh, a couple more this week. I know we had a couple of days go by without one. Uh, won't be the case anymore this week. We'll definitely have something up after the Boston College game pretty quickly. Again, please uh, subscribe to the pod if you can. Give us a five-star review if you can. All that stuff really helps us out. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you guys soon. Go Cards. Go Cards.